Welcome to The Next Mile, a podcast about the future of transportation. I'm your host, Puya Dianat. Today's episode, Curiously Refreshing, with Betsy Plattenberg. About 20 miles from the bustling city of Atlanta, there's a little place where the economics of running a city, advancing technology, and bringing jobs all intersect around a testbed of new groundbreaking innovations. On any given day, buses drive themselves down the streets, lampposts talk to one another and to our cars, there's even an e-scooter that can stand itself up and park itself for charging. No, this isn't some modern-day version of Fantasia in Georgia. It's Curiosity Lab at Peachtree Corners, with a name that serves as a testament to the power of human imagination working to improve our conditions. It's really interesting. We've got 45,000 residents and 45,000 jobs, which is a very unusual ratio. Um, Clearly not everybody that lives in the city of Peachtree Corners works in the city of Peachtree Corners, Uh, but it's an interesting dynamic and it really sets the stage for the investment that the city has made in Curiosity Lab. This is Betsy Plattenberg. She's the director of Curiosity Lab. Curiosity Lab is an economic development investment by the city of Peachtree Corners intended to help grow the job base of the community. It's right in the center of the city and it's the city's central business district. So we hired some consultants several years ago to look at ways to grow business in the park. And it was decided that we would create an innovation hub focused on mobility, smart city, and IoT technologies. The best way to think about it is it's a little bit like a university campus where there are multiple buildings and activities that take place in different locations. So the one of the primary features of the lab is a 1.5-mile autonomous vehicle test track. It's actually a three-mile loop, and also there's a 25,000-square-foot innovation center. On the autonomous vehicle track, we actually test all kinds of advanced vehicle technologies. So we have the ability to test all the way up to level five autonomous vehicles. And those are the ones that are fully autonomous, um, where there's no uh, human control or direction, Um, all the way up to some of the technologies that will get us to that point. And that's a future that's far off. uh, But in order to get there, we need to test and, and try out things so that we can learn about the technologies, adapt the technologies, and improve the technologies. Striving for autonomous technologies has long been a goal of thinkers and innovators, taking tasks that were once completed by hours of back-breaking human labor and replacing with automation has allowed society to make rapid progress over the last few centuries. The simplest forms of automation date back to the water clocks of the Greek Empire, which track time based on the movement of water inside the device. But we've come a long way since then. What used to be science fiction is becoming a reality, with autonomous cars, robots, and other systems achieving incredible levels of autonomy, whether that's flying planes or navigating city streets. Curiosity Lab is an important part of that process, giving scientists a testbed for refining new ideas, preparing them for a world at large a city that's also a sandbox for innovation. 
And, and that's a great description. We do call it our technology sandbox. We invite people to come with their technology toys, uh, try them out, test them, demo them, deploy them, and then take them back into other environments. But we just opened in September of 2019, and one of our very first testers was a company called Local Motors, who brought their Level 5 autonomous shuttle, Ollie. Then Ollie was running um, every day, all day, for four months, um, and learning as it went. I'd like to tell people that, um, in my opinion, artificial intelligence is very much like a toddler. Each artificial intelligence system has to go out and learn and experiment and remember what it learned, um, kind of put it into its memory bank for the future. So while Ollie was there in the city and people were allowed to take rides, that part was fun, uh, that was part was kind of a novelty, but really Ollie was there learning. It was the first time that, that Ollie had been deployed alongside real traffic. Ollie had been on dedicated lanes before, but not with actual cars cutting across in front of it. Um, we found uh, human behavior always interesting. Delivery trucks would park in the lanes. People would decide they would drive in the lanes. Bikers might decide they wanted to be in the lane and all those things. All it had to figure out in real time uh, and make adjustments and learn from. As a father to a four-year-old and a one-year-old, I can vouch for what Betsy is saying. I've often used the analogy of machine learning working like a child learning. They take an action. If the results aren't to their expectations, they analyze, dissect, and learn. The next time, they're less likely to make the same mistake, or at least quicker to adapt their behavior in the same scenario. There's one key difference when it comes to AVs and AI versus a toddler. The power of memory and shared learning. When an AV experiences a crash, the data from cameras and sensors is downloaded, analyzed, and proliferated to what will eventually be a network of millions of vehicles who could face that exact same scenario. Not only do computers not forget like we do, rather, their library of learned behaviors grows exponentially and is shared with the entire fleet. Today's Word of the Day Brought to you by Beam Imagination. Today's word of the day is the levels of autonomy. At Beam Imagination, we're constantly intrigued with developments in the transportation autonomy space. We've seen so much technological development since the sci-fi dreams of driverless cars from the early 1900s. But just how far have we come? The levels of autonomy can be broken down into five distinct categories. Level zero is just what you'd expect no automation at all. There may be a cruise control option to assist with those long road trips, but other than that, the driving experience is 100% manual. At level one, we start to see features that the industry has dubbed driver assistance. This takes the shape of features such as adaptive cruise control, which keeps your vehicle at a safe distance from vehicles in front of you, as well as sensors that can help you maintain your lane. Level two takes things a step further, this level features technologies that will maintain your vehicle's relative position in stop-and-go traffic, and even center your car within the lane. But make no mistake, you still need your hands on the wheel. The next level, level 3, is like an introduction to full autonomy. These cars can drive themselves, but only under ideal conditions. We can only imagine they wouldn't fare too well on our bustling Atlanta streets. Level 4 is about where our technologies are today. Although not quite ready for consumer markets, companies such as Waymo have developed cars that can get from point A to point B with no one behind the wheel. 
Currently, one of the biggest hurdles for level four development are the regulations and legal boundaries that are currently in place. Level five is the future we've all dreamed about. Fully driverless cars allowing passengers to relax, read a book, maybe even take a nap on the way to their destination. We're not there yet, but we're definitely getting closer. And at Beam Imagination, we're excited to be along for the ride on the way to a driverless future. Now back to Puya and the show. The cohorts at Curiosity Lab are gearing up for new developments in the AV world, whatever that may look like. I had a call recently with someone who, who made me stop and think. They said, well, when cars were first invented, they modeled cars after a carriage from a horse and carriage because that's what they knew. The horse pulled the large rectangle uh, with wheels and people sat in it like a box. Well, that's not that different from a minivan um, or an ar- large SUV today. We don't have the horse in front, but the seating is very similar to what a horse and carriage would be. Most people don't travel more than three to six miles from their home most of the time, and most people travel by themselves. So why would we sit in a big, large, heavy rectangle when we could in fact have very small, slower speed vehicles that transported a single person? Um, And it was sort of a, a aha moment for me. And I thought, wow, that seems so obvious. It just never occurred to me before. And it's because we all as a group had horse and buggies, and then we had cars, and so it's been difficult for us to change our paradigm. Betsy's right. The car of tomorrow will quite possibly be unrecognizable. Last season, we spoke to former NYC Traffic Commissioner Sam Schwartz about his book on AVs, No One at the Wheel, and we visited the Lane Motor Museum to see what futurist Buckminster Fuller dreamt up about the future of cars. Safe to say, Neither of them thought that the design of the vehicle would stay the same. From how seats operate to how roads and parking lots work, AVs would bring about sweeping changes. Unilateral change, however, is difficult if not impossible. That's where Curiosity Lab steps in. How they leverage partnerships is key to getting us to tomorrow a little bit faster. One of those partners is taking the very recent scooter trend and trying to solve the problem inherent with the model. Their vision is that you basically summon a scooter um, on your phone, much like you would summon an Uber. And the scooter is delivered to you via teleoperation. um, And the way that it does that, it has little training wheels and a camera. Um, so that the teleoperators can see what the scooter sees. Um, the scooter can deliver itself, more or less, to your location. You would get on the scooter and drive it to wherever you wanted to go. And let's say you were one of the careless people that leaves the scooter on the sidewalk. Um, you dropped your scooter off. Well, the teleoperator would know that was a problem. They could stand the scooter upright, return it to a charging station, or return it to the next person who wanted to use it. Uh, And I know people who live in large cities where scooters have been deployed see that in the evening, um, there are an entire cohort of people that drive around, pick up the scooters, throw them in the back of a vehicle and drive them to charging stations, which is a hugely inefficient way to get the scooters ready for their next day's activities. And it's a great example, right, of solving a problem that didn't exist. You know, five years ago, we didn't have scooters. We didn't really know what they were. And if you had talked about scooters to any of us, we would have looked at you very strangely. Now most people know what a scooter is. 
So with Curiosity Lab being a space to test the burgeoning technologies, what makes it stand out? How does it differ from other small cities to create a space that's ideal for testing? If I were to drive out there today, what would I see that looks and feels different from the average roads? Well, the first thing you'd see is extensive and very large signage, both digital signage and stationary signage, letting you know that you're entering Curiosity Lab and you're entering a test environment to be aware. Uh, At a very bare minimum, we hope that people will put down their cell phones and pay attention because what we did is we took an existing roadway that was a very wide boulevard and it was a two-lane roadway with a large median. We divided it into four lanes, they're 10 and a half foot lanes, On the outside lanes is the test track. On the inside lanes are human-driven traffic. So today you would see flexible bollards separating the lanes. You would see large uh, painted blue chevrons in the road, letting you know that that lane is different. You'd also see a lot of stationary signage saying, you know, be a caution, yield to shuttle, and and things like that. Um, There's digital signage with both um, letting people know some of our infrastructure partners, and then if something's testing that day and other useful information. So it looks very, very different than a traditional roadway. Um, If you wandered upon it, you would know that something was up. And now a quick word from our sponsors at WeWork Labs with a community connection. My name is Sean Chavis, and my organization is Living Book. Our mission is to help people who are living with chronic disease eat to manage their health, and create lasting lifestyle change. We offer customizable print-on-demand cookbooks, so instead of getting a long list from your doctor, you can come to our platform and build a cookbook that fits your needs and the way that you like to eat. A lot of times when you go to the doctor and you get a list of food to eat or avoid, uh, it's not very actionable. Uh, You don't often see your culture traditions um, and your culture cuisine in that list if you're not from a Eurocentric background. And if you can solve all of those issues um, and get help so that you feel like you're capable of making the lifestyle change your doctor's asking you to make, you're much more likely to succeed. If you can have food that is something that you can share with your family and you can get them on board and everybody's eating kind of the same things, um, you know, you might garnish it a little bit differently here or there. But if you can kind of all eat the same thing together, there's a powerful social connection around food and you're much more likely to succeed if you can eat with a group of people or enjoy the same food with your family. If we can get people to choose a healthy meal 20% more often than they already do, it would save up to $47 billion a year in healthcare costs in the United States. So this can make a big impact. Make sure to download the Living Book app, that's L-V-N-G Book, and visit them online at www.lvngbook.com. Now back to Puya and the show. There are a few other things that make Curiosity Lab unique when it comes to smart cities. It's set up in such a way that allows it to be nimble and respond quickly to new demands. Well, Curiosity Lab is unique for a couple of reasons, um, which is what makes it important. So it's owned by one government entity, um, and that's important because there are other test environments where there might be multiple government entities, or they'd be completely private, behind closed doors in a level parking lot um, where you can control everything. 
Well, in our environment, you can't control everything. It's on a public roadway. Um, so unpredictability is what people are looking for from a testing perspective. Um, because it's one government entity, we can make quick decisions on the ability to test unique technologies. For example, if somebody wanted to test delivery robots on the sidewalk, or they wanted to test drones under 400 feet, or even if they wanted to install novel technology in the roadway, we have the ability and the inclination to allow that and to make it happen. The city's made an investment to transform an existing roadway into a test environment, uh, but then we needed to reach out to private partners to provide additional infrastructure. So Sprint provided our 5G. We have um, Hargrave Fiber, which has provided dedicated fiber to the track. We have Georgia Power, who has supplied smart poles and is looking at various energy innovations. So what we'd like to say to potential infrastructure partners is look around at what we've got, look at the things that you do, and if there's something that you can bring to our test environment to make it better for all users and perhaps make it your test environment, we very much welcome that. We're really looking forward to seeing the types of innovation that get to grow from this little slice of automation testing heaven. It's inspiring to know that such great things are happening just a few miles from our doorstep here at B. Thanks for joining us on The Next Mile. I'm your host, Puya Dianat. The Next Mile is produced by Nick Huey and presented by Beam Imagination. Join us next week as we talk to Too Simple, a company pushing ahead in the future of autonomous trucking.